Welcome to Discoculia Headlines Weekly, a podcast where we share news, information, resources, tips and tricks about Discoculia. You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes and then search for Discoculia Headlines. You can also find us on the web at discoculiaheadlines.com and then click on the podcast page. This is our podcast for week 6 of 2016. And with us is Dr. Schroeder, the founder of Discoculia Services, and she will help us look at the links published this week on Discoculia Headlines. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Schroeder. Happy to be back. Well, indeed. And we're happy that you're here because we have lots of interesting uh, links this week. Uh, let's jump right in. The, uh, the first uh, link actually is a link that um, was an announcement for a webinar last Tuesday about the growth uh, mindset. And, uh, of course, that already uh, has passed, uh, but, but we can still uh, see on the link now the, uh, the recast of the uh, webinar. And I just want to play a, l- a little piece of it uh, in the middle where they're talking about this. Hang on. Some of this has been echoed um, already, but, you know, why growth mindset and why now? Because it, it's, it's a, it, it sort of reaches tipping point and it's... Um, you know, it's interesting that these things happen when there's a need in education for a, a movement and a, a framework and a philosophy that is helpful. So, I mean, for one, you know, why, why, and the, some of this is personal, but growth mindset changes students, um, how students see themselves. And for me, my background is in rhetoric and communication and how we describe ourselves, how we describe our students. Uh, words are very powerful, how we label them, how they label themselves. And it can, you know, language sort of give birth, gives birth to our thoughts and, um, you know, it can peg us this way or that. So in math especially, I feel like math teachers have really grasped onto this concept of growth mindset because um, I think it's a stereotype that a lot of students say, well, I'm just not good at math. You know, it's kind of like you either have it or you don't. Uh, which is not true, right? And so uh, I guess that sort of frames the uh, the topic. Um, how about that? Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I had um, the opportunity to see the whole uh, webinar. It was very good. I can definitely recommend it to everybody who has uh, three quarters. Uh, log into their website at withmathican.org and um, l- look at the whole thing. Um, you tuned in to a certain point where they they basically said um, it's not so that you have people who are born mathematicians and people who can never learn it. And it's very important, and particularly math teachers have picked that up right now, that as long as you encourage students and if they stick with it, if they have a productive struggle, it's not an issue if you make a mistake, but it's what you do with it, and if you try to get through it and make sense of it, that almost everybody can learn math to a really good level. So, And that's very encouraging. So a very good um, webinar. Okay, thank you. Well, that's a very positive uh, message. Um, our next link uh, for this week... Uh, goes to a website that's, uh, and, and this is an interesting contrast because the, the webinar was like uh, brand new, and now we're looking at something that dates back to when this website was live, which was TVO Parents, and, and the website's meanwhile uh, gone, but, but it's now included in the Teacher Ontario website. 
and and they have a video um, of a few people talking about Disco Coolia. Just want to play a little piece for you where we meet our good friend uh, Dr. Uh, Ansari again, and he explains to them what Disco Coolia is. Here it comes. He's the president of the Center for Teaching and Learning Maths in Framingham, Massachusetts. He was a mathematics professor for 35 this years. This is one of the uh, presenters that she's introducing now. He joins us today from Brookline, New Hampshire. Welcome, everybody. We have someone in studio, someone on the phone, someone on webcam. Now, I have to admit, I had never heard of dyscalculia before uh, we started researching the show, so I think we need to get a couple of definitions here. So let me start with you, Daniel. Exactly what is dyscalculia? How do you define it? Uh, dyscalculia, Cheryl, is a specific learning difficulty in the domain of mathematics. So somebody with dyscalculia, whether they'll be an adult or, or a child, uh, will have normal intelligence, so they'll score within the normal range on an IQ test of both verbal and nonverbal IQ. But uh, what will be special about an individual with dyscalculia is that their performance on a standardized test of arithmetic, say, will be way below what you would expect given their developmental level and uh, their overall intelligence. So that's why we refer to it as a specific learning difficulty, much like dyslexia is a specific reading difficulty. Okay, Mahesh, do you have anything to add to that? Can you tell us what you might see in a child? Okay, yeah. and then the the, uh, the the webcast goes on uh, discussing that. Uh, so how about that? I mean, we've we've come a long way since 2010, but but in 2010, the presenter still says she'd never heard about dyscalculia. Well, we have come a long way, and there are many more people who are familiar with dyscalculia. But I definitely need to say that um, I. Every week speak with both parents and teachers who have never heard of it, which means that if they have a student in their class, that, that uh, student will not be assessed and will not have access to um, effective remediation. So um, we have come a long way, but I hope that we will come a little more so that it is... Um, more often recognized and, and treated. And that's one of the things that uh, Mahesh Sharma, his, uh, the dyscalculia specialist in this uh, video, also uh, mentions. And then the other contributor, uh, John Mighton, actually um, is the founder of Jump Math, which is a um, program that's often used for students who struggle in math and is very effective. So I just wanted to mention that as well. Okay. Okay, well, um, from this, we can make uh, a jump um, to um, a, a positive link uh, where they're talking about that things are going great in math. There's a math revolution going on, apparently. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> what, what, uh, what we see here is that there are numerous special groups um, that are really active and, and join uh, doing uh, mathematics together. Uh, they call that the math revolution, and uh, it's publicized in the Atlantic. It talks about the excitement and that eventually, after 20, 21 years, the USA uh, placed first at the International Mathematical Olympiad, which is fantastic. Now, uh, we need to be aware that this is a special group that really trained for this, and that this not does not automatically say that the general education in math in uh, the U.S. has made a big jump. But let's hope for, for a better future. 
And uh, these high-flying math uh, summer camps uh, are mentioned as well. Um, Hampshire College does something, the Ross Mathematics Program in Ohio State, and there are recent newcomers, uh, programs like MathPath, Awesome Math, uh, Idea Math, Spark, Math Zoom, Epsilon Camp, well, you name it, there's right. a lot that's going right. on uh, over okay. the summer, and we will also have our own uh, math camp. Uh, math competitions grow, uh, are, are really in the spotlight. Um, there are parents um, working in, in STEM who like to augment uh, regular U.S. education. And uh, I like to mention here a, a Russian uh, mother, uh, trained as a mechanical engineer, saw the homework her kids uh, did in second and third grade. And um, she actually uh, started a school. She was not impressed and... I can relate she to that. Her own school. <laughs> she started her own school at her kitchen table. Oh wow! And uh, basically, she imported some of the uh, things that she was used to in in Russia, and that is what we actually did as well, only not from Russia but from the Netherlands. And uh, she was so successful with her approach that um, there are now seventeen hundred uh, seventeen thousand five hundred students who will work with uh, her um, kitchen table program. Oh, amazing, amazing. And then another program that I really like to mention is BEAM, which is Bridge to Enter Advanced Mathematics, um, founded by Daniel Saharapol in New York City. This is a non-profit, and he works with uh, a lot of underprivileged kids. Okay, so that's amazing. So, so although your local high school may not... Uh still deliver the highest uh, MET level ever, but uh, there's a lot of uh, initiatives going on in the uh, in the country. That's very encouraging. Mm -hmm. That is very good. So we're talking to Dr. Schroeder, and she is the founder of Discoculia Services. We're looking at the headlines provided during the week on the website discoculiaheadlines.com. Well, here we have um, our link, and uh, this is a more uh, challenging read. This is from the Linköping University, I guess from Sweden. Sweden, yeah. Yeah, and, and they're talking about the, um, the learning disability uh, dyscalculia, and they call it a heterogeneous learning disability. Why is that? Well, this is actually a very interesting read. I mean, I enjoyed it tremendously. And uh, what um, Mrs. Kenny Skagerland here um, tells us, she identifies two subtypes characterized by deficits in number processing. And one subtype that can be called a math learning disability linked to deficits in non-numerical abilities, such as executive and working memory. And a fourth type, a complex subtype, that actually has issues with all three of them. So let me first talk about the access deficit. Those students really struggle with retrieval of math facts and they need memory and retrieval training and explicit strategies. Then the other one is a magnitude processing deficit, so the approximate number center is slow or not working properly. Those students need to work with number lines to develop a mental number line and they need to have training in number discrimination and comparison. Mm -hmm. The third one has 
like I said, non-numerical abilities are the issue. And executive and working memory training would help them. But that is not the main focus here. Okay, so this is a good piece of research uh, that comes to us from uh, from Sweden and an interesting read. It's available, uh, but as I say, it's a it's a challenging uh, challenging read, and uh, and it's and it's all brand new, just been uh, published. Now our last link for the uh, week. Well, this is something that they call the chicken or the egg problem, and I think the issue here is um, what came first, the mathematics anxiety or the mathematics performance. So. Do kids have mathematics anxiety and that's why their math performance is not up to scratch or do they have problems with math performance and that's why they develop math, uh, math anxiety. So what is the right answer, Dr. Schroeder? Yeah, well this link goes to a new article from the Center for Neuroscience and Education in Cambridge, UK. And the, like you said, the main question is, does struggling in math lead to math anxiety? Or when you have anxiety to start with, does that negatively influence your progress in math? Now, it happens to be a bidirectional relationship, actually called reciprocal theory. So, math anxiety and math performance, unfortunately, work hand-in-hand and can influence each other in a downward spiral. Also, there is a strong relation of both of them with um, deficits in working memory and attention. So, it's a good question, the chicken or the egg, but the answer is, it's both. It's both. (laughs) Okay. So, although we're not solving the problem about the chicken and the egg, what is an important message here is that math anxiety is real, and that we as teachers and parents should be mindful of that and not overstress students because it's totally detrimental. So and there is a connection to the previous link we discussed that also mentions uh, math anxiety. And one of the ideas there is that we also always give students a possibility for retaking the test if they score low because we don't want them uh, to develop the math anxiety And on the other hand, one of the treatments of math anxiety, what's mentioned in this article, is actually teaching those students good math so that they do not feel uncomfortable. So coming back to the test situation, if your students are not scoring well, that means that they have not mastered the subject and giving them opportunity for a retake will actually pinpoint the issues so that they go into that and hopefully um, develop a better understanding maybe with help of teachers and parents so that they are ready for the next material before that is started. That message should really go out to all the teachers uh, that are around there but we're not there yet. Well, thank you very much for uh, for all these explanations. Uh, this this was uh, a good week with lots of new information, lots of uh, old information, and lots of encouraging messages uh, from the mad revolution. Uh, so, thank you very much for contributing. And uh, Dr. Schroeder is the founder of Discoculia Services. You can also follow her on Facebook, Pinterest, and Twitter. Free downloads and a free Discoculia screener are available on her website, discoculiaservices.com. 
Disco Coolia Headlines Weekly is a production from DiscoCooliaHeadlines.com. You can find us on the web at DiscoCooliaHeadlines.com and we are on Twitter at DiscoCooliaHead. You can also find us on Facebook, we have a board on Pinterest and on Flipboard. Search for DiscoCoolia Headlines or follow the links on our webpage. You can send your questions, comments and contributions to communications at DiscoCooliaHeadlines.com and we may even discuss it in one of our upcoming podcasts. We hope this was useful for you and until next week, you can count on us.